This episode of the Smoke Pit brought to you by the Nut Ruck by Arbor Arms. A tactical fanny pack for your nuts and your butts. Check them out at arborarms.com. Tell them the Smoke Pit sent you. Wah, 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 wah. Also check out combathomeover.com. Pomades and beard oils for your face and your hair. Use our discount code SMOKEPIT to save yourself some money at combathomeover.com. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. What up, though? Hey, so we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we got to sit down and do this. Yeah, uh, unfortunately we had to skip a week, but we're back. And so, uh, yeah, just to get back into it, I saw a tweet that said uh, you can no longer say the expression avoiding something like the plague because that's clearly no, it's not what's happening nowadays. Yeah, like, I mean, you got people that won't wear their masks or they won't wear their masks right. And it's like, there's literally a plague. Like, you, all you have to do is wear a mask. I saw a uh, a thermal vi- uh, video come across my feed on Instagram, and I was like, fuck yeah, about to be some fucking body slayed. But then it was just a fucking helicopter camera of the cops in the United Kingdom breaking up a party with 200 people. Why would you break up a party? Well, I guess if they have some ordinance in, in, in play that's like no gathering of over 10 people or whatever it was. Oh, uh, you see, that's the whole, that's my pre-COVID brain thinking. Like, you got 200 people. Yeah. That sounds like a raver to me, but then, you know. To be fair, but like, who has, like, besides like an event that we held at like uh, a venue that was like, hey, come out here for camaraderie and hand jobs, but like, how many people do you know that legit could text like, you know, fucking a thousand people and be like yo come to the party and then you know like one in five people actually show up i mean for for normal people sure but there's every once in a while you get those people like remember 2014 we went to that uh the the camden pub crawl in in england and we started off with six people signed up at the end of the night we had like 50 people because you and i (laughs) kept the two big loud americans just kept snatching europeans off the street and being like yo come party with us and they were like (laughs) i'm sorry what mate and they're like no not i'm sorry Get in here and get fucking hammered. If you're going to fucking open that mouth with your funny accent, there better be some fucking alcohol going in it. Let's go. I seem to remember, too, I actually recently had a conversation about that evening. And uh, besides an event that we have already discussed on the show uh, about Horace and Jasper, yeah, um, there was also, uh, I got into an argument with a uh, a Polish guy about Marine Corps martial arts. Yeah. I don't remember how it started, but I remember standing out on the street just hammered as hell, like discussing the finer points of the counter to the rear punch. Yeah, you don't remember how it started, but you know how it ended. Hammer stomp. Hell yes. <laughs> and then I remember I remember uh, doing the British accent that convinced the bouncer to let me back in to pee. Yeah. Because I didn't want to pee on the road, right? And then there was, the, uh, and then I shoved that uh, Eastern, the, the East German engineering student cat. Yeah, Alexander, I am disappointed in you. When we go to countries, we're supposed to experience the culture, and there are few things more British than being shithouse and peeing on the middle of a cobbled road. Look, I'd be about that, except I come from New Orleans, and <laughs> all of the French Quarter, for all its majesty and history and, and cheap booze, yeah. it always smells like pee. So that was uh, quite the eventful evening. But yeah, can you imagine, like, just, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a... A bit antisocial when it comes to like inviting a lot of people to my domicile. <laughs> well, then again, you're you're thinking like one in five people will show up because that's again that's pre-COVID thinking. You're thinking about all these people to be like, ah, nah, I'm, I'm do whatever. And then, but it's COVID, so people are like, get me out of this house before I kill someone. All right, so say like this this goes this way, and I'll, I'll give you a few minutes to prepare. Say I'm a you know Joe Blow Englishman, and I just. But I just purchased a lot of ale, right? And I'm like, hey, I have all of the booze in the county or the shire or whatever they 
<laughs> you call their counties. How would you respond? I'd, I'd be on my way with your accent. Let's hear it. Fucking right, mate. <laughs> Oi, cunt. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, so I got this text message earlier about work, and apparently we were told one of the students at this class that he's taken about how to be a better instructor. Yeah. Uh, the instructor told him, okay, so you can't call anybody sir or ma'am anymore. And I was like, and so there was like this argument in the group text about like, what are we supposed to say? And I was like, oi, you over there with the face. Yeah, I think use uh, gents, The those are all gender neutral greetings. Well, I don't know if gents is gender neutral, but I've said this a hundred times before, right? Gentle warriors is what it, it is short for. That that could be true, yes. <laughs> and uh, But I've always said, call everybody sir yeah right and this is this is not a new thing i didn't come up with this like. no yeah um i i remember uh you said something a while back about there was a, a sci-fi universe where that was the kind of uh the standard right it's actually pretty common in science fiction across the board that you refer to uh officers or politicians like anybody with a title you just refer to everybody as sir and they actually made a point of pointing it out at the beginning of uh battlestar galactica right yeah so you have the the Secretary of Education, because majority of humanity gets wiped out. Turns out the Secretary of the Education is the one that gets uh, sworn in as president. Yeah, like and, the designated survivor or some shit. Right. Yeah. And so uh, the captain- He was in there just hitting them books, you know, like wasn't out at the pubs or at these huge parties catching COVID. Right. Wasn't out there getting sick, not wearing a mask, just coughing <laughs> on people. So- uh, the president, the what is it? The education secretary gets sworn in as president, and so she's giving instructions to this captain. That's uh, he's a fighter pilot, and he's you know with her escort. He's escorting her with uh, like Marine One or whatever it is, the, their version of it. So when you say escort, do you mean um, in a in a security sense? Yes. Okay, so he wasn't like her accompaniment to a formal gala. Correct. It okay. was it was in a security sense. They okay. were they were aboard Colonial One, which is their version of Air Force One. Their attaché, if Co- you will. Correct. <laughs> did I use that word right? You did use that word correctly. <laughs> yes. So how uh, many erroneous lightning bolts on that one? Zero erroneous lightning bolts. Zero alo- erroneous lightning bolts. Very accurate. <laughs> nice. So at some point, he she gives him instructions on whatever she wants done, and she's she picks it up quick. Good for her. She's like, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And he says, Yes, sir. And he turns around to leave, and she goes, I'm sorry, did you call me sir? And he goes, well, yes. And she says, why would you call me sir? And he goes, we call all all higher-ranking people sir, because if I called you ma'am, that would require you to have a separate title, right? So why would I make you separate? You get the same title as everybody else. Yeah. So, so like, what if we had to um, designate a, a title, if you will, because, like, sir is gendered, right? And so to call female sir, like I, I could see the argument there. It's not a huge one, maybe not one you figure out right there in the moment, in the middle of genocide, but like maybe after the fact when the accords are happening, be like, oh, hey, by the way, I just want to attach a rider to this peace agreement. What do we call everybody that is a non-gender thing? Like warfighter, cool cats and kittens. Like I, I'm going straight old school Marine Corps, a warfighter. <laughs> but what if they're not a warfighter? What if they're a politician? If we're talking about my ideal universe, everybody's yeah. a warfighter, right? Oh, oh, good. You haven't slayed any bodies. Correct yourself. Well, here's the thing, right? We talk about we we've we've made a point on the show to to emphasize the fact that just because you're not infantry doesn't mean you have a, don't have a substantive contribution, right? Right. So let's take some civilians and and look at their professions. Yeah. Like if you're uh, the person who's running the charge to you know make money to pay for ALS or to like donate money to heart cancer research or yeah. whatever. Like 
that person's still a warfighter. They're fighting a war. It's not a war of combat, but it's a war against a disease. A war of attrition. Right. A war of attrition against the disease. We're trying to figure out how can we fix this problem because if we can make everybody healthier and stamp out these diseases, that means more able-bodied individuals in the future that can fight wars against the aliens if we need them to. Or if our enemies have more able bodies, that's more bodies for us to slay. I mean, either way. Either way is fine. Either way, it's a win. Right. <laughs> so, so I had uh, a theory that I brought up a while back. I was thinking that what if in order to hold any sort of like public office, uh, anything higher than like the, the city dog catcher, right? Uh, you had to have been the person who pulled the trigger or pressed the button for like some sort of execution. So say you have some like fucked up pervo that was creeping on kids and it's like without a shadow of a doubt, like this this individual dude or woman, like they deserve the business, right? And they're going to get it. And so you load that sweet business up into their, you know, their veins or you put them up against the sweet business wall. And now you're like, all right, here's the new mayor who's never killed anybody. Like, here you go. Here's the rifle or here's the, the, the toggle. Like, do you think that that should be something that they should have to do to understand the consequences of their actions? Like, how can you lead if you've never taken someone's life, you know? I, I have two different things to say about this, and I do, I do kind of go the opposite direction. Uh, one is I am against the death penalty. Yeah. And it's not for some soft, liberal-hearted reason. Now, I will say that the numbers support the idea that we have killed way more innocent people than anybody likes to think about because DNA tests have come out and oh, yeah. advanced. And so we found out how many people we've killed. And taking one innocent life makes the whole system irrelevant. Okay, yeah, I, I, I can vibe with that. Go on. Right. And so the secondary portion of this, and I'm stealing this from Henry Rollins, who had a very good idea. He was talking about Slobodan Milosevic back in the day. And for those of you who don't know who Slobodan Milosevic is... He was the guy who won the first X-Metal Games medal, right? Incorrect. Right, that's five out of five erroneous lightning bolts. So this guy, he was a war criminal. He was running uh, uh, Yugoslavia or Czechoslovakia, one of those during like this huge massacre of the civilian population. Um, there's a long history there. Go ahead, Google it if you want to know. But when he went to the Hague, there was some argument, right? Death penalty or life imprisonment. Yeah. My idea is that instead of killing somebody, which is the easy way out, right? You pop them, they're dead. That's it. They're gone. Instead of that. You have that motherfucker spend 12 hours a day chiseling the names of his victims into stone. Oh, wow. That's all he does 12 hours a day, every day, no breaks for the rest of his life. Yeah. And at, at, at taps every day, at the end of the day when the sun's going down. Elijah Wood and Ryan Reynolds taser his butthole. Yes, as he is required to sit there and read out the atrocities that he's committed. While being tased in the butthole. Absolutely, while being tased in the butthole. And yeah. if he wavers... He has to start over. Ooh, like the Blood Eagle with the Vikings. Like if you like let out a fucking cry of lamentation while they're breaking your ribs and pulling your lungs out through the back, like they're like, oh, you don't get into Valhalla. But if you don't make a noise and they're like, ah, yes, maybe he wasn't so bad. Right. Valhalla. It's like it's, it's like, uh, it's like seppuku, right? Like mm -hmm. you commit Harry Carey or whatever you call it. Like it's an it's an honorable death. Yes. So with that, um, so for those of you who haven't uh, looked up uh, Blood Eagles, that was a pretty fucking righteous uh, way to go. Bruh. Like, if, if you had to go and, like, you wanted to put a fucking stamp on the end of your name, uh, yeah. So uh, there there was a bit of a program that kind of, not I'm going to say inspired by Blood Eagles, but somewhere in, in the same realm that had to do with blood that was called the Valkyrie system. And uh, AJ wants to elaborate on that. That is an excellent, like, that's a transition that, <laughs> that my, my boss would just be super happy with that transition. <laughs> so... 
Uh, this is a system that, and for those of you who don't know, it's a it's a blood system that is used by is now starting to be used by conventional forces. The army started fielding it earlier this year. Uh, now infantry, Marines overseas in, in high threat areas are starting to use it. And so up until this point, if you had someone get wounded in combat, right? Like you pull you're pulling a raid halfway through one of your guys takes one in the in the femoral artery and you got it clamped off and you're trying to get blood into their system so they yeah, survive. Something something gnarly. Right. Not like a paper cut, you know. Right, like severe hemorrhage, massive hemorrhage, that's what they that's what the technical term is. So rather than do what we've been doing, which is, you know, you can't keep whole fresh blood on sta- on standby. You have to refrigerate it. So yeah. I would have to say, you know, hey, give me Lance Corporal Schmuckatelli because he's already a, a, a match donor-wise. Yeah. And take him out of the fight in order to do a transfusion. With the Valkyrie system, what they can do is before the raid, they have a list of donors that are that work for everybody, right? Yeah. And so the, the corpsman can go take like a unit of blood for each guy. And then have these on standby. Like, they can take as many, like, one unit per person. And how much is a unit? Like, are you just saying, like, an arbitrary number? Or is there, like, a designated milliliter amount? There's a designated milliliter amount. I don't know off the top of my head because it's a military system. So yeah. it's, it's probably in metric, which is the right way to go. And I'm not I'm not <laughs> familiar with the technical details about how, how... That's what I was trying to say earlier. <laughs> well, I know. I'm saying, like, there's, there's some of these details that they don't have readily available because, yeah. you know, they're going to not tell everybody everything about a military system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't, we, don't want the, we don't want anybody else having this. I just don't know what a bottle of Sweet Delicious beer translates to a pint. So that's all I was trying to say. I would imagine, I'd imagine a unit is somewhere, it's, it can't be a pint. It's probably like a half a pint, maybe. Yeah, because you only have like so many pints in your body, right? Right, and you don't want to start a raid with everybody a little bit depleted. It's, <laughs> it's not like it's it's not like you're going to have the corpsman handing out cookies and juice boxes right before a raid. I mean, they should. Like, this, like everybody would be all fucking like zonked because they're fucking low on blood. This is in Vietnam. Like, we're not fucking doing movement to contact with everybody all loopy and shit. Right, like nobody's, nobody's smoked about six pounds of hash and decided hey screw it i'm on a draft anyway yeah you guys are just like assaulting a fucking a temple that is occupied by crows and everybody's hallucinating so it's just like the worst shit ever just apocalypse now you hear also sprock <laughs> zarathustra playing in the background and you're like i am entirely too high for this okay so the amount that they would take would be not enough to affect the person's uh, performance correct so they but take- then if that person gets hit now they're down a unit of blood to begin with well, I mean, that's fair, but I mean, if it's their own blood that they've already given up, now they're getting their own blood back plus other people. That kind of sounds like our refund taxes for income. Man. Like, here's your own money back. Be thankful. <sighs> Don't even get me started on the tax <laughs> system. So, uh, let's see. A unit of blood is approximately 525 milliliters. Which that's is, a lot more milliliters than I thought. It's roughly equivalent to one pint. I was right. <laughs> You were right. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty pretty solid guess. How many pints of blood do we have in uh, in our body uh, to to begin with? And I'm actually drawing that question out so that way he can answer, and we don't have dead air. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because actually I know the answer to this, and it's nine to twelve pints of blood depending on the size of your body. So if you're like thick with a Q, you might have twelve pints of blood. I mean, if you're uh, if you're a hefty individual or yeah. you're very big. Like, yeah. like I'm 6'3 and 215 pounds. 215 pounds in your bra. I mean, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Like, that's solid fucking chest muscle. <laughs> that's the downside. Like, I have, a, I have a broad rib cage. So, like, the no matter how much I lift and how much I run, I'm always going to look big. Barrel chested is yeah. the expression. Like, chesty puller. Yeah, it used to be cool back when it was chesty puller. Nowadays, yeah. they're just like, what's up, Tubbo? Fun fact, uh, barrels were actually named after chesty puller. 
That's absolutely correct because yes. his, uh, his original nickname was Barrel, and so they named him that. And they were like, oh, well, we'll make these things that we can store things in. Yeah, what's Chesty Puller's favorite thing? Well, it's a tie between alcohol and blood of his enemies, and we house both of them in these barrels. <laughs> because we make the alcohol that he drinks from the blood of his enemies. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so you got this system, and uh, how long does the does the blood last in the system? Approximately four hours. Oh, wow. So it, I mean, there's mitigating factors, right? Like, just like MREs go bad faster if they're in heat. Yeah. Like, if you've got these bags of blood, they're good for about four hours. So your standard raid doesn't usually take four hours. Like, if it's going to be more than, like, a two- to three-hour thing, that's usually, like, a full-on, like, there's some shit going on. Yeah, see, that that is definitely one of the bougier aspects of, uh, of being a higher-tier level. Like, you get in, you do the job, and you get out. Like, you're not going to be on target for more than, like, X amount of minutes, right? Because if you're taking down anyone important, he's probably got some fucking dudes that don't want you to take him down that are probably just down at the local brothel or the local bar, and they're going to be coming back quick, fast, and in a hurry. As for most standard fucking grunts like us, like, oh, yeah, we got this fucking patrol. It's going to be 12 hours. Well, we did that one thing, I think, on our first deployment where they had two of the two of the squads were in, or, yeah, two of the squads were in trucks. Yeah. And one squad was in helos. And we were hitting this one, it was like a gas station outside of town. Yeah. But to obfuscate the idea that we were going to be hitting the gas station, the two trucks left like a couple of hours beforehand in order to get there. So the dumps, we dumped two squads of dudes in trucks and they were like, don't be quiet. Like, we don't want stealth. We want you kicking doors in and screaming and causing a ruckus. I remember- Make some noise. Right? Wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. So there was, uh, I think it was, uh, what's his name? Wade had stuff like, he had like- uh, care bears, like plush care bears, like zip tied to his shit. He was just trying to make himself look insane. Yeah. And so we came in. We came up. It was my squad coming on the helos. We come in the helos. We kick the door open the gas station. We grab whoever we're supposed to grab. We throw them on the helo. We're out of there. It's like 20, 20, 25 minutes max. But we had to stage super early because, of course, we did. And then you guys had to leave like three or four hours earlier. So we're just sitting there like twiddling our thumbs waiting for you guys to show up on target. Whereas if it was like Delta or the Seals or Marsoc or somebody, everybody would just gone on in helos. We would have just peppered the area with something, landed, blown up half the gas station, getting into it, snatched up what was ever left, and get the hell out of there. Yeah, so um, I I can definitely see the, uh, excuse me, the the use of that program, but I will say that it should be tempered a bit because uh, there was recently a Task and Purpose article that the headline says, SOCOM didn't consistently document whether more than $800 million in gear met key performance metrics or not. I remember that. I, I Did I send you that article or was that? Yes, you did. I, I wasn't trying to take credit. I just didn't know if, like a lot of times we both see the same thing at the same time. We try yeah. to tell each other. <laughs> but I remember seeing that they said they, they got, they paid $800,000. Million. Million. Right. Yes. Thank you. They $800 million on gear that they didn't even know they needed. Like, how bougie is that? Yeah, and if uh, if, if you ever talk to anybody who uh, who works in a SOCOM, even the guys who aren't, like, the actual, like, tier one guys, they get all the bougie shit, like the fucking, the, the, the Oakleys and the fucking Leathermans and all the cool patches, and they're, they're all tacked out, too, you know? Cry precision. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I could definitely see the value in certain aspects, but as far as, like, when we think about... Uh, conventional war i think we've gotten such a boner recently for like these small strike missions that we forget like what the true cost is like if you're sending a fucking regiment of marines and you lose like two or three hundred like that would be insanity compared to today's standards you know but that was just common play in like vietnam and korea and 
you know, World War II. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing about lessons learned. Like, we invented the MOUT program, which is militarized operations and urbanized terrain. Yep. That's the Marine Corps version. The Army calls it CQB. I'm sure there's plenty of other names for it, like close quarter battle. Yeah, we we also call it CQB, but then they, like, uh, partitioned it off where it's like, it's not CQB until you make it inside the building because the most deadliest place to be is on the street. 80% of urban casualties occur on the street. So if you even survive crossing the road, boot... Then you have to fight inside. <sighs> Deep sigh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not wrong, though. I I will say, uh, as far as like our first deployment goes, I think it was kind of uh, like a 75, 25% split between guys that we lost uh, that were 75% where they're like on the street or on a road. And then like the other 25 were guys that got like hit when we were actually like clearing rooms and shit. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a danger area outside, but plus a lot of the operations we pulled where we were doing inside stuff. Yeah. It was like we were all, I want to say kinetic. Like, yeah. Like when we took buildings, there was a lot of times we did not follow mission protocol as far as mount training concerned. Like we tried the best we could, but when you got limited numbers. Like, and you start losing people, you know, like it, right. it's hard to have, you know, the six people that you were trained to use to clear a double-sided hallway when you've taken casualties and somebody's been attached to this or somebody's holding security on a detainee, you know, like exactly. You get trained yeah. to do like six, six man assault teams. And then you got you, your team leader and one scrawny little ginger, <laughs> the combat camera guy is fucking put his, uh, his Nikon away. And now he's on the primary. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll give, I'll give credit to those dudes. Credit where credits due. Jason Alexander. That guy was super into it. He's like, look, I'll take all the high speed warrior pictures you want. So you guys look badass. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, let me kick a door in. Yeah, let, let me get some fucking, uh, let me get some trigger time is all he wanted. Because he was an 0311 uh, before he uh, lateral moved to combat camera. So, yeah, so I, I just think like the idea that, you know, we spend so much fucking money on all this fancy new equipment and research. And I get it. Innovation is what saves lives. Like if you look at the beginning of the war and you look at now, like the armor, the weapons, the technology, everything that we use now just blows the stuff away we use at the beginning of the war, which really, you know, in the grand scheme of time, wasn't that long ago. However, if you're going to take hundreds of millions of dollars and give it to programs that they don't even account for them, you should not be feeding your Marines moldy and expired food. I'm glad you segued into that because I am unbelievably pissed off about this. Yes. Yeah, so um, our good friends over at DD214 memes on Instagram, uh, hyphen between the two words, uh, they uncovered yet another Marine Corps controversy where the Marines of 1st Battalion, 2nd Marines, who are currently at Camp Schwab, Okinawa, Japan, it's a prefecture over there. Yeah, see, they, they call their territories prefectures instead of, uh, what do you guys call them in Louisiana? Like parishes. Parishes. <laughs> and uh, in, in Florida, we just call them uh, meth fields. <laughs> That's actually how we seg uh, segment up our uh, our high school sports is by the amount of meth that gets pushed through your county. Plus the amount of gators that it requires to transport that meth. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so uh, they, um, they're over there for training and they were on uh, restriction of movement, which basically meant that they were not allowed to leave their, uh, their assigned living quarters for 14 days while they're on a quarantine, either on the way in or on the way out uh, for wherever they're heading. So it could be interal... Uh, inner unit moving from like one island to another, one training facility to another, or in country, out of country, whatever the case was. And there was a plethora of pictures of moldy and expired food that came out of it. Bro, I saw some of these pictures. Like there's a, like the the box nasties you used to get when you were at the range. Yeah. But the sandwich had like the biggest spot of mold. Like it looked like they made the sandwich, then left it on the counter in a human environment for like a week. Yeah, it, and they um 
they showed showed pictures too, and some of the expiration dates were uh, were over two years ago. Here's the thing: I have two two huge issues on this. The first issue I have is what the fuck's wrong with MREs? Like all joking aside, if you can't get anything else, why can't you crap some MREs? At least they can rat fuck a couple of boxes and come up with something decent to eat. Because <clears throat> we're all we're all field chefs, right? Like we all know if you stick this and this and that and the other thing in the in the fajitas, fucking mint, fucking mint. But on the other side of that coin, if you're gonna tell me that these guys are on restriction because of something they didn't even do, or excuse me, if you're gonna tell me these guys are on restriction for something they didn't even do, like it's not a punitive restriction, yeah, right? it's health based, and you're not gonna let them go anywhere, and you're not gonna not let to the exchange, not to the. The, the stores out in town, nowhere. Exactly. You, Where are you going? Fucking nowhere. Fucking nowhere. Your ass is in the barracks. The door is locked. You are stuck. If that's not, if that's going to be the situation and no one's going to bring them proper meals and no one's going to throw them some fucking MREs at the very least, I want to see what the fucking commander was eating that day. Yeah, that's true because uh, the, there's unsubstantiated reports. And I only say that just because I don't have a picture of him putting a, a sweet, delicious uh, chalupa in his mouth. So I, I, I don't want to hang the guy out to dry too much if I don't have evidence, but um, they, the command uh, was allegedly they had, like, their first pick of the food. And now, for those of you who just say, like, oh, well, eat around the mold, I mean, like, okay, like, I get it. Like, there's wartime necessity born of, you know, uh, dire circumstances. However, the thing was is these guys were only getting, like, the guys and gals were only getting, like, 1,000 to 1,500 calories a day to begin with. So if the biggest source of your of your dietary intake for that day, like a sandwich is fucking expired and even the side shit too like the bags of chips they sh- uh, that I saw were expired one fucking dude got a, an uncooked potato <laughs> bro like and and from a health aspect right you're telling me that you got marines who are supposed to be the top tier of like physical out, out of the United States military services the marine corps is famous for being the most fit you are required to have a minimum of around 1500 calories a day like your your basal metabolic rate, the amount yeah. of calories you burn just by existing, is I mean it's fluctuates depending on person, but it's not below fifteen hundred. So if you're not getting fifteen hundred calories a day, we know from experiments that were done by you know the Nazis and by experiments that were done by other disreputable individuals that tortured people. We have this data. We know that if you go under fifteen hundred calories a day for your average like. It's 165 pound uh, white male that you're going to start suffering psychological side effects. Like, first of all, it's, you know, you're having nutrition problems and you're not getting the nutrients you need, but you're also going to start suffering psychological side effects. And the last thing we needed to be doing is subjecting our, our Marines and our soldiers, sailors and airmen and Coast Guard, whoever the hell they are. Like, we don't need to be subjecting them to any additional psychological torment. And so get this right. Um, the Marines who had posted pictures on their social media complaining about it or that lodged for formal complaints, they were actually reprim- reprimanded. Well, of course they were because there's a longstanding thing, right? And it's on, it's on social media, and that is that if you get angry because someone posts a true picture or they post a true statement, yeah. and if you get angry and try to punish that individual for something that they said that was true... You know you are wrong, 
And yeah, and then so like it wasn't like it was OPSEC or classified information that they were divulging. And then they released a statement saying like, oh, hey, like we're aware of this. It was like some mishandling or whatever. And like the comments were just fucking uh, just brutal in reply. And then the family readiness officer came out and was like, oh, well, the sandwiches, uh, they just weren't wrapped properly. Like, bro, the expiration date says two years ago. It's, it's not even the sandwiches. Like I saw one picture that was like. Dude got a full-on lunch tray, and there was a microwavable cup of Chef Boyardee and two sprigs of broccoli. Yeah, like the little tiny, like, uh, like elementary school recess snack kind of like Chef Boyardee microwave cup. Yeah, and it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, the fuck? And you're going to tell me, oh, well, you know, there were some missteps. No, the misstep was you guys bungled it because you didn't give a shit enough about your Marines to fucking try. Like, there is no excuse for that level of negligence. If I was a Marine on post and I negligently discharged my firearm, I would get all kinds of hell raining down on me. Like, I get a boot in my neck. But you're telling me that they are negligent, they're negligent in their care, their duty of care to those Marines, and they get nothing. They get angry when someone posts the meal that they got. Definitely a black eye for the world's finest. I, I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it's entirely the Marine Corps. I, I think based on the social media um, scape that we're in, like we, you and I tend to get a lot more Marine centric stuff, but if you don't think this shit's going on in the army or you don't think this shit's going on in the Navy, like it's, it's gotta be like, oh, yeah. for, for every one thing you find, there's always like five things that are left. They, that, that is very true. And, um, you know, so it's not like we are without fault, you know, we've made our own mistakes, but then like the thing is, is if something is brought to the attention of the person who's responsible for being a good steward of, you know, America's, you know, sons and daughters, if that's brought to your attention, and then you one try to cover it up, then two try to side sidestep it, and then three like try to like deny fucking uh, plausibility, like you should not probably be leading Marines. Like, that's that for me. Like let's say I had like God power, and I was like, you know, General Mattis back when he was still the sec def. Yeah. If someone showed me those pictures, I would have that commander on a plane immediately. I'd be like, get your fucking ass in my office. I don't give a shit what you're doing. And when he was standing in front of me, I'd show him the pictures, and I'd say, how fucking dare you? That motherfucker would at minimum get a demotion, and I would put him in some shit post somewhere in fucking buttfuck Alaska, manning a radar tower, and I'd be like, you know what? And he was like, oh, man, it's so shitty out here. We'll go out and kill a fucking elk, <laughs> right? Go go shoot a moose and have dinner because apparently you don't care about what people eat. And so uh, the, uh, the the command itself, like, like uh, they said that now uh, representatives of, uh, I think, MARPAC uh, were now inspecting all the meals before they got uh, sent to the Marines. Like, okay, like, I didn't expect you to do that to begin with, right? I'm okay with the fact that it happened the first time. Like, accidents happen, right? However... Once it was identified, like, then you need to take corrective actions. Like, once you are aware of a problem, now you can fix it. If some shit happens that you're completely unaware of and it was some low-level person's mistake or, like, a civilian contractor or whoever was in charge of that shit, their mistake, okay, Roger, got it. But, again, to fucking deny it, sidestep it, sweep it under the rug, and then try to punish the Marines who, like, uh, you know, called the bullshit flag, like, bro. Yeah, the, I don't expect the commander of whatever unit to be looking at each individual meal as it's packed. Like, there's people for that, and he's got important shit to do. On the other side of that coin, the and, and again, this goes back to if, if I'm the commander of that unit and someone shows me those pictures, I'm losing my shit on somebody, and those boys are getting taken care of. 
Yeah, and uh, so the the drama continues from there. Where again, unsubstantiated, 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 unsubstantiated. Thank you. Uh, there was also further reports that um, the individuals who were in charge of the unit bought a shit ton of pizza and went to a barracks to be like, oh, hey, like we got you guys pizza. Sorry for the fuck up, right? However, two important things. One, they didn't go to all the barracks. Guess which barracks they went to? Which barracks did they go to? The one that they were staying in. <sighs> so if a fraction of this is true, like one, two, get your shit together. I just... Man, I'm I'm so pissed off. <laughs> I I were I have no words. Words have failed me. I'm so pissed off. So you brought up an interesting uh, point <laughs> earlier. Like, say you know you had God powers, right? And right. I I think this is a very uh, interesting uh, subject to go into because like you know we we don't try to uh, judge people on their religion or you know push uh, any sort of narrative out there. Like we have our beliefs and. Um, personally, I feel that like if I, you know, go out there and I try to like condemn everyone else for everything that they've done wrong, me being, uh, an imperfect being, like I might actually drive people away from the faith. So I just try to practice, you know, like loving Jesus on my own. And if I happen to do a good thing, then, you know, that that's thanks to the teaching. So, uh, this isn't to, to isolate anyone's belief or anything like that. You know, we're in the smoke pit, like everybody's welcome. Right. I thought about this earlier, like how fucking cool would it be if you could like generate your own concept of heaven because everybody has like their different idea, right? Like some people think that they'll just become one with the universe and like share the collective energy. How cool would that be to like get historical figures and be like, all right, I'm going to show you the movie or the book that was based on your life. I want you to tell me how many erroneous lightning bolts are, are about it. You know, bro, there's a whole ass movie and I, I'm going to forget what it's called, but the, it's got a uh, rip torn yeah. from men in black. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Albert Brooks. And I want to say Meryl Streep, who is a national treasure. And the whole concept of it is, is that it's, it's purgatory, right? So you die, yeah. you go to purgatory and while you're there, you're in a resort. Like you can eat as much of what you want and anything you want. You can go to like, entertainment venues and like see your past lives and all this other shit yeah and the way it works is that uh you have a series of basically court hearings and in every hearing you have a solicitor like you have a, a lawyer with you yeah and you go into this hearing and they play back all these like substantive moments in your life like parts times when you could have displayed valor or you could have displayed compassion or all these different moments and they look at the sum total of your life and they give you an opportunity to defend yourself and at the end of it, the judge makes a decision and you either get recycled or you move on to whatever the next plane is. And is that what you would want for yourself? I would say yes. Yeah. Because, and I will say that, and and to go back to what you said earlier, I am far from an imperfect being, right? There's, there's segments of my life that I'm intensely proud of and there's segments of my life that I am incredibly embarrassed by. We're we're all like that. I think right. that's fair. I think that's fair. And and I'd I mean, hell, we've all told a lot of stories on this podcast of some of our worst moments, right? And and be aware, we have not told all of the worst moments. One in five. <laughs> one in one in five. So, and here's something that I've come to recently. Yeah. Right. And this is a thing that I, I think I've mentioned before uh, when we had a different podcast we were doing, but fulfillment, or I should say, validation comes from within. Right. We we seek validation from outside sources, but realistically, validation should come with, from within. We should validate ourselves based on our own behaviors and our own actions. Yeah, like deciding what kind of person you want to be, and then once you meet those like check marks, you could be like, okay, like is this who I want to continue to be, 
Or are there some things that I need to adjust? Exactly. Like land navigation, right? Exactly. And for all the second lieutenants out there, uh, land nav is uh, something you should inherently leave to your first squad leader. <laughs> Look, unless you went to the unless, unless you went to the Naval Academy, but that's because you had a gunny teach you how to do it, so yeah. you know how to do it right. <laughs> um, so and, yeah, so that's that's how that's what you would want then. Like right. that's your idea. Like you have God powers and like. That's what you want your afterlife to look like. Yes, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll I'll break it down a little simply. I know you're trying to get me to hurry this up. So validation comes with from within, and uh, fulfillment comes from without. And a lot of times, we as a society get those flip flops. We try to seek validation from others, and we try to get fulfillment from ourselves. And that's not how that works. So, in a universe in which we are all r- relatively aware of the idea that we get validation from ourselves and we get fulfillment from outside sources, f- fulfillment should come from service to others. Okay. And so even if you have regrets, even if you've done things in your life you're not entirely proud of, here's the time, every time is the time where you can make that adjustment and you can serve others. And so I believe that if I have, even if everything I'd done up until this point, this exact moment was a complete fuckery, I'm 36. I'm expected to live to about 75 to 85 years old. So I have- With the way you smoke and drink- well, I'm actually going to quit. Hard smoke. forty-five. I'm actually quitting smoking once I'm done with these pat with this pack. Yeah, because it's about time, and I I've eased up on the drinking. <laughs> I have significantly. I'm trying to clean my act up. Yeah. I want I want to make sure I live long enough to see my grandkids uh, do something stupid on TikTok, <laughs> or whatever version of TikTok exists at the time. Okay. So I think you know even if I and, and there is a lot of like I said, there's a lot of things I'm proud of in my life that I've done so far. But if I get to if I get to seventy-five or eighty-five from this point having known all the things I've known and experienced all the things I've experienced, I would go into that courtroom willingly and I'd say, you know what? I've made some missteps, clearly, as all humans do, but look at the lifetime of service. I have no regrets. Well, I mean, I have regrets, but I have no regrets about the fact that I changed my course and I did the right thing. Okay. I was thinking more like pulling Alexander Hamilton aside and making him watch the musical and be like, all right, so what about that? What about this? Bro. (laughs) Or like... You know, uh, getting like, uh, you know, whoever was like the, let, let's say like uh, our buddy Garrett Jones or like Skrillex or somebody who's like a really good like uh, beat producer, you know, and then like pairing them with like Mozart and be like, all right, you guys are going to go live on one of the moons of Saturn for a thousand years. And then after a thousand years, I want to hear the shit you came up with. Like, how cool would that be? You know, I think it's just like. I don't know. That's a bad example because you said Skrillex and Mozart, and there's that epic rap battle, and all I can hear is Skrillex being like, "You die baroque and worthless." And I was like, yeah. "Oh shit!" Yeah, I know. That's why it would be so beautiful, you know. Like, make them watch that rap battle and be like, "All right, go to Saturn, one of the moons, and figure it out. Figure it out." Like you have like the like uh, the, the expanse of the universe as your muse. Like, go make some awesome music and come back. Yeah, I mean, if you could put like different historical figures together, yeah. Like, first of all, I want to see Diogenes and Aristotle. And they were contemporaries anyway, but Diogenes' like whole life was just making Aristotle fucking miserable all the time. <laughs> and uh, Like I, Jimmy Pesto and uh, Bob from Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah, he was absolutely just an asshole about it. Like, I don't think that was his intention, but that's how it came off. Uh, my favorite story about Diogenes is that, like, he was poor because he didn't believe in, like, owning stuff. He thought stuff got in the way. Yeah. And he owned this, the only, uh, possession he had in the world was this wooden bowl and so he sees this kid one day come up to the cistern and like just get some water with his hands and he sees him cup the water in his hand and drink it he goes are you fucking kidding me i've been doing this with a bowl this whole time and just chucks the bowl he's like fuck it i don't need this one <laughs> he didn't less- even give it to the kid <laughs> no he was like who the fuck needs a bowl if i could just use my hands why did i think of this chuck man i was thinking like 
how cool would that be to like be like all right i want to see who would really win between like uh, a triceratops and a and a tyrannosaurus rex go oh man that's a difficult one i'd say probably the triceratops because contrary to popular belief the tyrannosaurus rex was a scavenger well, yeah, I mean, like, if you're that big, you probably don't want to move around a whole lot. You just kind of want to wait till things are made available to you. Plus, I mean, Triceratops, you <laughs> got... like a lot of the big girls at the bar. <laughs> they just want to see what's made available to them. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, uh, like get, like, some of the best chefs and be like, all right, cool, like, have a cook-off and I'll be the judge. Or, like, fight a great white shark. Like, how cool would that be? Bro, I want to see Jacques Cousteau yeah. and, uh, and Steve Irwin. Oh, man. Jacques Cousteau and Steve Irwin. Because here's the thing about... They, they both had the same controversy in their lives. Yeah. So you had, like, on one hand, they did so much work for conser- conservation and conservatism and, like, people, like, respecting nature. And on the other hand, they liked to poke shit when they weren't supposed to. <laughs> right? Like, Jacques Cousteau was like, I'm going to go poke this whale. And and Steve Irwin's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stick my finger up this croc's bum. Like... <laughs> It would be fun to watch the two of them sit down and like compare notes. Like, what what have you stuck your fingers in, Jock? Yeah, or just like tag along with like Lewis and Clark and uh, Sacagawea, and uh, just you know navigate the uh, the unexplored frontier and just see what that was all about. You know, see, and I don't even know if I want to be in there for that. Like, if I was a fly on the wall, I wouldn't want to be like me just walking around with them. Because oh, that's exactly what I would want. I'll tell you exactly why I don't want that. Right? You've got this this Native American woman who is a master of like tracking her and, craft. Yeah. Right. Like she's a master tracker. She's good at. She knows where she's going. She knows what she's doing. She's like she's got, fishing with a baby swaddled. Like. Right. Like she knows the lay of the land. Like this is one of the ultimate tough moms. Yeah. Like she's got her baby on her back. She's fighting a bear. Like she's doing all kinds of crazy like shit that most people can't even fathom. And then you got these two pasty ass <laughs> white people be like. Oh, I wonder where the next hill's gonna be. Be like, shut up and just do what the lady says. But you know, there are a couple of pasty white guys from like back in the day, so they're yeah. gonna be like, oh, whatever, madam. Like, we're just gonna go about frolicking on our own. And you're I like, I wonder if after like day three, they're like, okay, I have malaria and he has scarlet fever. Uh, could you please give us some medicinal herbs? <laughs> a couple of herbs. I'm working for some very unstable herbs. And she's like, no, you you switch these herbs. Like, you you put this one on your leg and you smoke this. Doing the opposite will have a terrible effect like i don't know if you want to watch a chair melt into a thousand snakes but that's a fast way to get there yeah like peyote my friend <laughs> is what you <laughs> were just putting directly into your bloodstream that's a terrible idea you're not healing the wound <laughs> and you're getting yourself too high to fix yourself later yeah and and so like i, I guess this is like what I, what it really comes down to is i would want like a holodeck from like star trek where i could just like plug in hypothetical scenarios like I want to go to the Alamo and see if I could win, you know? See, and that's the thing. And, and, okay, there's a whole rabbit hole I can go down on the holodeck. Yeah. But I will say that that's the thing. If you ever watched a lot of Star Trek, especially Next Gen, when they had, like, was a big thing, that's several episodes where exactly that happens. Like, they have uh, they have an episode where Data, Lieutenant Commander Data, is playing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And because Geordi LaForge, the chief engineer, gives incorrect instructions to the computer... He doesn't say fucking Jordy. Because here's the thing: Data has an encyclopedic knowledge of everything, right? So he yeah. knows all of the home stories. So he f- solves them like quick as shit. Yeah. So Jordy gets pissed off, and he's like, "You're just remembering the stories you've already. Could you have a memory of all of them?" Yeah. He goes. So he goes. I have an idea. We're going to create something you haven't seen yet. So he goes to the computer and says, "In the style of Sherlock Holmes, create a mystery that 
Lieutenant Data cannot solve, or that would be difficult for Lieutenant Data, but that's the point. He says Lieutenant Data. He doesn't say Sherlock Holmes. So the computer creates a version of Moriarty that is self-aware and at some point from the holodeck takes control of the Enterprise and is like, (laughs) he's got some like industrial age contraption. It's like got levers and shit. And he's like, oh, you don't think I can control this giant turtle we're on the back of? And like yanks this control switch and the whole ship starts shaking. And they're like, oh, fuck. They're like, at that moment, we realized we fucked up. Yeah, like I'd be like, um, I want a simulation of uh, the Star Wars prequels. First things first, delete Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah, straight off the back. And then two, like I go up to Padme and be like, hey, look, if you don't give Anakin at least a handy, like he's going to murder a bunch of kids. That's on you. So whatever happens from here on out, that's on you. I just, you know, I think if he had just been allowed a blowjob that maybe he wouldn't have became like a huge mass murderer. And I hate to keep going down this path uh, because I don't want to sound like I'm being negative Nancy or anything. (laughs) I heard an interesting theory about Anakin. Yeah. Right? So Anakin starts off as a slave. Yeah. And he's purchased uh, through whatever uh, by Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Right? And then when Qui-Gon's murdered, he gets passed on as property to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, I'm pretty sure uh, Qui-Gon, well, he he won him as part of the pod racing bet, but then afterwards he gave him his freedom. I mean, technically speaking, but what did he refer to uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan as? Padawans. Master. Oh, but that was just a, a term of respect for the order that they were indoctrinated into. Yes, but here's the thing, yeah. right? So he goes from being a slave to being a Jedi, or yeah. a Padawan, then a Jedi, then a Jedi Knight, then a Jedi Master. However, no, he never achieved the rank of Master. Uh, no, he, technically speaking, they were like, we're not going to call you that, but we'll give you all the rank and status. We do not grant you the rank of Master. No, I, I know, but You're it's like- on the on the council. No, I'm saying it's like getting yeah. frocked. Right, like they uh, give him, yeah, yeah. they give him the pin for first sergeant, but they're like, you're still getting staffs aren't pay until we tell you otherwise, right? <laughs> Goddamn. So, he, so if and if uh, Padme was riding in reverse cowgirl, and right as he climax, he was just like, you're a Jedi master. Here's the paperwork, and like showed him the thing with her official signature on it. He would have blasted her into probably Coruscant. Like, <laughs> wouldn't he need the Death Star? Like, he just murdered Coruscant right there. Yeah, roll credits, movie over. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole trilogy done. Yep. But so the thing that I was the thing that I saw and the thing that I, I kind of connected with is, is the idea that even after he stopped being technically a slave, right, he's dealing with his conflicted emotions. He's got all the stuff he's dealing with. He's in love with this person he's not supposed to be in love with, uh, both because of her rank and station and because of the Jedi code. And so all of this emotional shit and everybody gives uh, Christian Haydenson a lot of crap about it. Um, but I think they, they he played the emo-ness of Anakin Skywalker that ends up turning him into Darth Vader fairly well. Yeah. Like, it's it's cringy to watch, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, he was kind of an emo piece of shit. I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, I spent two years in the Middle East, and sand will rub you the wrong way. Yes. And so the thing is that he ceased to be a slave in a technical sense, but then he made himself a slave by hiding himself and conflicting himself and fighting himself. So, like, he subjugated himself to his own emotions and insecurities. Exactly. And he let it, He let himself get led down the path, and then he had the external stimulus of uh, Darth Sidious, also known as Emperor Palpatine, who was like, hey, you know, uh, people you love might die, which is something he already worried about, right? Yeah. It's like if you're already fat and someone comes up and says, hey, you know, if you eat that chalupa, you're going to get fatter, <laughs> right? And you're like, 
Son of a bitch. Which is crazy because, like, uh, for all the shit that the new Star Wars got, like, I loved Kylo Ren. I thought he had the best character arc, and I've had fierce debates with everybody. And they're like, oh, what about Obi-Wan? I'm like, yeah, he started off super cool. Then he took a nosedive after one L and abandoned the universe. And, like, that that was his fault. And they're like, oh, what about R2-D2? Like, man, like, that rob- robot knew that Luke and Leia were brother and sister when they were hooking up on Hoth. He knew all this other important shit, didn't say anything. Like a little incest bot over there just beeping and booping. <laughs> and and furthermore, like so, second season of Mandalorian's coming out, right? They got Rosario Dawson uh, scheduled to play Ahsoka. So if you're telling me that, like, canonly speaking, Ahsoka looks like Ros- a young Rosario Dawson, like I'm just saying that, like, if Padme had like maybe sidestepped, or maybe Ahsoka and like uh, Anakin are on a Clone Wars mission, and then you know once she's of age, they hook up, you know. And released all that angst, <laughs> the Sith angst that's built up. Because I will tell you, not having your ball strain will turn you into a fucking Sith Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on the circumstances, but sure. Yeah, that's why we're all so violent on deployment. Like, month two is a lot different than day one, my friend. Yeah, that's that's fair. So, uh, I would like to be like, yeah, I, I want like Jedi powers, or I want to be fucking like, uh, uh, you know, Superman, or whatever the case is. So, before we move on from this segment... Uh, is there anything that comes to mind that, like, if you could program in your afterlife hollow deck as like a simulation that you would want to run or experience or something, like, what would it be? Ooh, you know what? I'll tell you. It, this might be a simplify, an oversimplification. Yeah, I would want to program. So it's my, it's my life, right? It's my afterlife, rather. Yeah. If you want to witness a birth of a star, if you want to get into a, a, a debate with Thomas Jefferson, like whatever you want. I mean, I go crazy with all that stuff, but what I what I'd start with is I would reprogram it to like go through my life. Yeah. But I could edit it so that I'd always make the right decisions. I kind of feel like that uh, removes the uh, the 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 marrow of life because if you live without consequences, it's kind of like, what's the point? Well, no, I it's mean, like replaying a game that you've already beat so that way you can make all the right decisions. No, I mean, I'd make all the right decisions. I'm not saying there wouldn't be any danger involved or any yeah. adventure involved. Because like you said, witness the birth of a star, witness the collapse of a star, yeah. right? Witness, uh, you know, go go and see the Lincoln-Douglas debates, but instead of du- Lincoln-Douglas, like I get to be one of them, yeah. right? Or like you get to still do all that stuff, but you could do it unencumbered by the failures you've had in your own life. Oh, I, I get that to an extent, but then it's kind of like you're really accepting the fact that you as who you are now would no longer exist because who you are now is a result of both your triumphs and your failure failures and your lessons learned. That's the thing. It's your afterlife, yeah. right? So you've already experienced it the first way. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We'll put it in a different context, right? I was really hoping you were going to say like, go drink mead with Vikings, like when they discovered fucking uh, Greenland. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously I'd want to do that stuff, but here, here's a better version, right? So yeah. there's, a, there's a book by Michael Crichton that got turned into a movie, and it's called Timeline. And the I don't want to hear all these books and references. I want your opinion. I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just using it as an example, right? So the, the, the movie got the book wrong, and even the book, like they, the setup was yeah, good. Tell me what else is new. The, mo- the movie got it wrong. You know, I'm saying even the book got the book wrong. The, the book conflicts itself, yeah. right? Because it says time travel is not possible, but traveling to an alternate universe which occurred slower so that you can experience events that would be similar to the ones in your past. Yeah. Right? Like you could experience the 1400s as they occurred for you, but it would actually be a parallel universe that just took longer to form. Rick and Morty style. Exactly. So if I had the afterlife holodeck and I could do whatever I want, I want to see parallel versions of myself and I want to see parallel versions of like 
my heroes. I want to see Yuri Gagarin not only be the first human being in space, but I want to see him plant the flag. I mean, he would be there with Neil Armstrong, I feel like. Like cooperation. Yeah. Like, even when we did the moon mission, we still brought, like, a bunch of shit back for the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. And we like we gave them Michael Collins's suit. You're telling me like I didn't go to Russia with you and explore the cosmonaut museum. You did. I'm <laughs> saying this for the viewers. They weren't there to experience the wonder and glory, which well, we're seeing. They should be. And as soon as quarantine is over and everybody has uh, inoculations that Bill Nye invented, then we'll all go on a mass trip. Absolutely. Like <laughs> if you're not if you don't go to the cosmonaut museum, then you can just punch yourself in the face. <laughs> so. That would be that would be your idea is that you want to like uh, witness your heroes do all these like consequential things and like new timelines. Yeah. I mean, I think about it this way. Right. It's it's the ultimate mashup. Like you get to see all the people that did all the badass shit that they did before. But now you get to zoom, see do cooler stuff because instead of competition, it's cooperation. That makes sense. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but it would be pretty dope uh, to to fight a great white shark. And, you know, you, you got to be happy for the guy, but you hate to see other people live your dreams. Saturday in Australia, uh, a man and his wife were surfing and she gets knocked off her board and the, the dude looks over and there is a 10 foot long great white shark gnawing up her leg. This dude paddles over there, jumps off onto the shark and starts punching it in the face until it let go of his wife. And then he carried her to shore. That's that's legit. Like I don't obviously I don't want anybody getting hurt, but if I could like dragon punch a shark, that that'd be it for me. I'd be like, all right, adventure. I, I'm still gonna go on adventures, but like that's there's a thing you always say about Operation Steel Curtain. Like that was yeah. our Super Bowl. <laughs> I'd be like, Psh, I'm a Packers fan, baby. We won two in a row. Like there's more than one Super Bowl you can have. That'd be like Super Bowl number three for me. It would be like dragon punch a shark in the face. Yeah. So the guy's name was uh, Mark Rapley. I believe I'm saying that right. Right. And his uh, wife uh, Chantel Doyle. Uh, they were in uh, this. They were in Shelley Beach in Port Macquarie, Australia. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. No idea. <laughs> but they uh, they they were surfing, and yeah, dude saved his wife from a, a literal great white shark. Like uh, he was quoted as saying, "When you see the mother of your child and your support, everything that's who you are, you just react." Your body reacts to saying, get off, get off. You just start punching it. You start thinking amazingly where to punch it. And so you're like, I'll just attack the eye or whatever. You just start thinking differently is what he said. And uh, one of the dudes, uh, Steve Pierce, who was a bystander, he's also this Surf Life uh, Saving NSW chief executive, said, this fella paddled over and jumped off his board onto the shark and hit it to get it to release her and then assisted her back to the beach. He went on to say that it was pretty full on, really heroic. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that that brings up a, an interesting topic that I that I saw some people reference. Like, that dude's got to bring that up in every argument from then on out. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, take out the trash. Yeah, that's because I was tired from beating a shark to death for you. <laughs> and so, like, how many times can you go to that well, though? I figure I feel like that would get old after a while. Like yeah. the real trick to that would only be save it for the big ticket items. Like you were out all night with the boys out at the <laughs> bar and you're like, "Yeah, but I saved you from a shark, so I needed the I needed the booze to help with the trauma of punching a shark to death." Yeah, I mean, like I just feel that, you know, if if you're with somebody that should be the kind of person that you wouldn't be terribly afraid of bringing out to the bar with your friends, you know? Oh no, yeah. I'm I'm 100% about that. And yeah. and there's another thing that uh that it's uh what is it? It's in the the Bible, right? Yeah. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah. So I mean, I guess for me, I don't think I don't think I'd bring it up again. 
But see, that, that's not a, a wrong, though. That's just like... No, but I'm saying, like, if you're trying to say, like, I should get out of doing this thing that I said I was going to do, or I'm, I should get out of this behavior yeah. because I did this thing. Eh, yeah, you did that thing. But that thing's supposed to be selfless. Yeah. And like, lo- love should be unconditional and should be selfless as possible, so... Like, when you when you give, it's supposed to be in secret so much to the fact that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Right. What's the saying with, with commands? Any commands that are listening to us for fucking tips and tricks? Yeah. Uh, you praise in public and you punish in private. Well, that I think that's definitely a, a pin, uh, a pin uh, placeholder for for later. Because I, I did hear some interesting uh, counter arguments to that. Because I, I have said that before, and I kind of you know altered my perspective a little bit. Which I think there's nothing wrong with you know getting new information to you, the way that you view things and uh, you know altering it slightly. But so here's the thing: uh, people will be like, "Yeah, I'll do anything for you," and I think that. In a lot of circumstances, if we saw a loved one being attacked by something or were in in, uh, intimate mortal danger, like, yeah, I think a lot of us would spring into action. So there's a different type of bravery when it comes to that and just like the day to day grind of like treating someone well and like, um, you know, being a, a supportive partner and not invalidating them and, you know, not being passive aggressive or petty or vindictive. And, you know, building together and you know, stuff like that. So you have, like, these two things that are, like, very important because you can, like, save somebody from a shark attack. But if you're a douche the 90% of the time, and obviously I don't, I don't know this guy, so I'm not speaking to him. But if you're a douche 90% of the other time, like, that's not going to carry you, you know? Yeah, you can't you can't hang your hat on one action and hope for the best. Now, granted, it's a big fucking action. Yeah, but I mean, how many times have on the show have we said that just because you're a good Marine doesn't make you a good person? Yeah, yeah, we we, we have like, said that quite a bit. Like you could be you could be an absolute monster on the battlefield and like just go out there and slay all the bodies, but if you yeah. come home and you kick your dog and you hit your wife and you're a prick to like people you don't know, like okay, you're great at one thing. That doesn't make you a good person. So like yeah. punching a shark doesn't make you a good person. It's a badass story, but the better thing to do would be a good person and then punch a shark and then continue to be a good person because that way then you can ride the shark story forever and nobody thinks you're a prick because of it. Yeah, kind of like Hercules Mulligan, you know, in the musical and American history of of Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're on a real Hamilton kick recently. I mean, it's on Disney Plus now and I I watched it with Samantha and it was really good. I will say there's some, I I haven't heard all of it. I I didn't watch the thing, but I've heard it on the news or not the news. I've heard it on like some of the the songs. Yeah, Yeah. TikTok. And uh, I will say some of it's pretty catchy. And Louis, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Is it Luis Manuel Miranda or something like that? Yeah, the guy who plays Hamilton. Right. Manuel he, Miranda. Yeah, he was actually on House back in the day. And they had like a he was like a crazy person in the mental house in the mental uh, ward when House went to that. Yeah. And at the time I was like, mm, this is a little cheesy." And then I saw what he did with Hamilton and I was like, "All right, that boy got some skill." Yeah, it's it it it's a definitely a dope show that or a musical that made me want to learn more about American history like Lafayette, you know, we give France a lot of crap. But realistically, like we would have been sunk without that dude. And then afterwards, when he went back to France, he eventually ended up as a prisoner of war. I heard about that. And so it's just like crazy to find out that like a lot of our founding fathers actually went bankrupt at some point in their life. Yeah, I mean, we always like to paint these rosy pictures, but at yeah. the same time, like there's only so much there's only so much time you can spend like spending seventeen thousand dollars on booze in a single night the day before you sign the declaration. Like that's not a one-off like that's the way these people lived and at some point the money's gonna dry up yeah for sure and yeah, you know, especially like if you get used to like a certain lifestyle and then like whatever your primary income was 
and you know as you retire and and get older and you know the economy changes and stuff like that so you know i i think that was a a, a very good uh, display like there were some in uh historical inaccuracies you know i won't get into it too much just because you know again i don't want people going through all my work and criticizing me <laughs> you know after i've i've met some success but yeah, I, I would definitely highly encourage our, our listeners to check that out. Anything else that you want to want to bring up before we um, get out of here? I will say uh, there's one thing I wanted to bring up is, is we've been working kind of on this thing and uh, I'm not going to get too much into the details. I don't want to spoil it right off the bat. But if it's it's not like our listeners, ha- listeners have trouble getting in contact with us if they have some kind of issues. But if you have issues, if you're at a base and they're treating you improperly, like they're giving you moldy food or there's black mold in your barracks or the water is freaking red for day, for weeks and months at a time, yeah, let us know because we we got some stuff in the works and we're trying to we're trying to make that shit go away. Yeah, and uh, thankfully we're we've been in a position where we've actually been able to change a few things. And as uh, as veterans and civilians, we have no qualms with calling the Pentagon and being like, "Hey, so what about this?" Which we have done. Yeah, like no shit. There's pl- plenty of times, and it's it's a very uh, surreal experience when you went from like talking to the battalion commander was like a no go because you'd get in trouble even if it was like yeah even talking if, to your corporal you know like right like you say good morning sergeant to your sergeant and all of a sudden your lance corporal team leader is like pounding your neck into the into the ground for yeah. like having the audacity <laughs> and now we're civilians right for the most part. And now, like, we get these messages from people being like, these guys are treating us like this. And we're like, oh, oh, I don't fucking think so. God, I just, I, oh, man, I could just picture myself with Dan Daly on that fucking wall fighting off the Boxer Rebellion all night, bayoneting motherfuckers in full dress blues. Bruh, just spraying and praying. Oh, man. Crapping your own pants because you don't have time for that. You don't got time. The only thing you got time for is to crap in people's mouth. And that crap's a bayonet. Take it, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's what I got. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm I'm wrapped. Man, I'm gonna spend the rest of the night thinking about like how cool would that be for like you know to get a, a personalized guitar lesson from Jimi Hendrix, you know, and then just be like magically good after after an hour, you know, bro. Jimi Hendrix would. Uh, I mean, you'd never be as good as Jimi Hendrix, but in this in this uh, thing, you could be, you know. Well, I mean, if we're saying we got holographic technology from Star Trek, there's nothing saying you don't also have, like, the brain plug technology from the Matrix. Yeah, or if we're just saying, like, hypothetical afterlife scenario, you yeah, know? Yeah, they could just, like, touch you in the face. Oh, there's one thing I want to tell about that movie. Yeah. Right? Just this one last uh, sa- saved round. There's a part where, and and the whole you only use 10% of your brain trope is is bullshit. It's a movie thing that they do. But there's a part where Albert Brooks, who is the guy who is dead, whose life they're looking at, is sitting down with Rip Torn, who is his lawyer, who is like kind of, an, I guess, that suggested that he's an angel. And so at some point, he's eating the Rip Torn is eating this thing that looks like a burnt hockey puck, and Rip and Albert Brooks says, "Hey, what is that? Like that looks like what is, that looks interesting." And he goes, "You're not gonna like it. It's it's, you know, it's not not food that you're gonna enjoy." And he goes, yeah. well, "Why not?" And he goes, "Well, let's see." I use 46% of my brain. How much do you think you use? And he goes, oh, I don't know, like 43, 42. He goes, 10, 10%. And he goes, I think you're selling me short. I think you should let me try it. And so he takes a big bite of it and he just like makes this face like he just ate like out of a cat box. Yeah. And Rip Torn, remember, this is for Men in Black. He looks forward and he goes, tastes a little like horse shit, doesn't it? <laughs> you don't have the palate to enjoy that. Right. Yeah, there, there are definitely a, a few foods out there that are acquired tastes, if you will. And I, I can only imagine what that would be to be like, ah, yes, I want a real-life brontosaurus burger with Fred Flintstone. <laughs> you know? 
They're like, this is a bit gamey. <laughs> mm. That Triceratops is a little rough. Yeah, one that, like, I got, like, uh, Teddy Roosevelt to take me on a private hunt with spears and we killed our own Triceratops. Like, how cool would that be? Bro. And th- you know what? I would say that for all the controversy surrounding Teddy Roosevelt, I like the, the you know where the idea of the teddy bear comes from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he wouldn't kill the, the, the baby bear because he was like, that's not even sporting. Yeah, that's that's not what a man would do. Right? A, a, man, a, man, only fu- a man only hunts things that can kill him back. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like, a Triceratops would fuck you up if you weren't paying attention. Yeah, or to be like, I want to be Solomon in this aspect, and I'm going to rip the the jaw of a donkey out and slay a thousand men. <laughs> like, that'd be a dope, dope. And, and granted, I'm, I'm not sure if, like, if Jesus would really condone all the killing that I've, that I've listed. But yeah, that's, that's Old Testament, man. <laughs> o- Old Testament God was all about that shit. He was like, you know, Ven- vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but go out there and kick some ass. <laughs> yeah, so if you, if you have a, a really cool hypothetical afterlife scenario that you would like to experience or you think that we would enjoy, shoot us a message at um, the Smoke Pit on Instagram and Facebook. Also, we have our email, info at pompsmokemedia.com. Check out our merchandise on there. And um, bye. Bye. Bye.